from the vault. High atop the pastoral center of the Diocese of Camden, you're listening to Talking Catholic. Thanks again, Father Rob. You are listening to, this is episode 19, or episode 20 of Talking Catholic. This might actually be 21. I've lost count now. Hey, oh, listeners, uh, uh, um, we need our, our guy down in uh, your office to let us know just how many, uh, how many podcasts this has been. I thought, okay, well, this is Pete Sanchez talking, and Mike Walsh, the director of communications, he could be, Mike, you could be right. I, I, for some reason, I was thinking this was 20. You know what keeps messing me up is we had our trial podcast with the lovely Mary McCusker, which has not aired, because um, yeah. we've been keeping that one in reserve for a while, until um, we really have it down down week and we gotta we gotta bring her out of the uh out of the archives but that was our test uh podcast which we we haven't gone back to it i should really give that another listen so it might be time in the summer to uh to put that one up finally i i wondering if i thought that was a wonderful it was a test one but it worked out very well because of her yeah nothing we did no no we were terrible she yeah, was fantastic she just was yeah. eloquent and hopefully i hope our listening audience here in South Jersey and beyond Delaware, I think even, mm-hmm. um, I hope you guys can hear that sometime. Uh, oh, we'll definitely put it up. She was really good. We'll, we'll cut all sh- our stuff out and put her up. I, I sooner rather than later. Yeah. I know. Um, and for those of you who are wondering who Mary McCusker is, Mary McCusker is my colleague, the communications person in uh, Catholic Charities, who does a phenomenal job. If you've you've probably read her writing in the uh, Catholic Star Herald, um, whatever is the most heart tugging uh, will most likely be her yeah. her piece. She's she's really amazing. I know the stories that she tells and the way she tells I mean, it. Just her work yeah. is just inspiring. Yeah, I'm really hoping excited for you all to hear it. Um, yeah, so listeners, that'll be coming down soon. As a yeah. fact. Uh, like, summertime. Yes, as past... the vault is quite warm today because uh, the, the air conditioning wasn't on for a, a wee bit this morning, so uh, we're yeah. just we're just now starting to cool off on this very humid day in early no no late June now. Yeah, I, um, it's uh, we got a lot of things. If you're down the shore right now, speaking of uh, the summer, there's a, actually Mike. Did you know that there are masses down the shore? Get out! Yeah, Ocean City, Wildwood, Atlantic City, there are masses. You know, if you're down there, if you just need to receive the Eucharist, you can go to them, support them. They're beautiful parishes. What did you say, Mike? They are. As a matter of fact, I was in Atlantic City this weekend, and from the boardwalk, I could see uh, St. Nicholas of Tolentine Parish. Uh, And and it's just such a gorgeous uh, church over there. It's just beautiful. So get a chance. If you're in Atlantic City... And uh, you want to pull yourself away from the gaming tables, uh, head over to St. Nicholas. It's just a gorgeous church. Uh, I agree. Or any other, I know the one in Cape May Courthouse, uh, Ocean City St. Damien's is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, go down there. And you can find the summer mass schedule on uh, CamdenDiocese.org or CatholicStarHerald.org. You'll find masses and parishes throughout South Jersey. Um, and as well, many parishes during this time, they add mass times to accommodate visitors uh, <coughs> During these next couple summer months, um, now that they're coming up, Mike, I'm excited about it's a summer in the city. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's going to be held next week, actually, in Vineland, um, Pope John Paul II Treehouse, and it's for Immersion Project, seven days uh, for youth in the Diocese of Camden. Participation, uh, any high schoolers open to participate, um, whether you're a service veteran or if you've never done it, uh, this is really interesting. You can really... You really, youth get the opportunity to live 
and work the gospel of service and social justice. Uh, so that's going to be in Vineland, the 25th to the 30th. And then again, it's going to be held at Holy Spirit High School in Absecan in Atlantic County, August 13th to the 19th. Call Gregory Coogan, Director of Youth and Young Adult Ministry, for more info at 856-583-2908. And also, um, speaking of Atlantic County, we have in Hamilton coming up a week Pretty soon, June 30th, it's coming up like the uh, 7th Annual Mass Reception for the mm-hmm. Asian Farm Workers yeah. at uh, Columbia Fruit Farms, 528 Middle Road in Hamilton. Uh, and that's really wonderful. Um, it's going to mark the beginning of the 2017 ministry to the Haitian farm workers. These individuals, these workers and their families, actually travel north from Florida. They come up here every summer and they work in June and July living and working on the housing areas on blueberry farms in the Hamilton area. Um, the Mass will be celebrated in Haitian, Creole, and English. And you can contact James Andrews, Director of the Office of Black Catholic Ministries and Cultural Diversity. Give them a call for more info at 856-583-2907. And speaking of St. Nicholas Tolentine, Mike, August 15th is what? Oh, geez, I, I can't even begin to imagine. Well, you know what? It's one of my favorite things. I know that. It's the Wedding of the Sea. Yes, the Wedding of the Sea with Bishop Sullivan. That will see, he'll celebrate um, in um, Mass of the Assumption of Mary. Celebrate on August 15th in um, par- the Parish of St. Monica. And you can go to weddingofthesea.org. I believe that is. Mm-hmm. Or kimdiocese.org. Oh, I'm sorry. accatholic.org. Um, or CamdenDiocese.org for more info. And there's actually, um, CamdenDiocese.org, there's also info on other Wedding the Sea celebrations in Stone Harbor and Wildwood. So all these things are coming up, exciting things in the diocese. But right now we have a wonderful guest with us. Uh, our featured speaker is Sister Diana Higgins. Mm-hmm. Sister, how are you? I'm fine, thank you. How are you? Doing wonderful, sister. So you, um, you're just you're completing, or did you just finish your year at Paul VI as teaching religion? Yes, we just finished last week. The kids had their exams, and so they're now they're out for the summer. Oh, wonderful! And they're happy, and so are the teachers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure now it's really summertime. You're ready to uh, ready to hit the boardwalk, or and you are. What is your religious order? I'm a Franciscan missionary, sister of the infant Jesus. And you are that your superior of the order in this area? Well, that? no, I'm the I'm the local superior just in the community that I live in. But uh, we have a delegate superior here who's in charge of all the delegation, the sisters here in the States. Okay. Uh, how, um, how long have you, you've been a sister for uh, 27 years about? Yes, I celebrated my 25th in September of 2015. It was a good year to celebrate a, a jubilee. Yes, it was. The Pope yeah. was here. It was yeah. really again. Yes. Yeah. I actually, I, I read one of the articles about you. You had camped out uh, to at the, the Mass, right? Not quite camped out, but you had... Got... Uh, we were there in the evening. We did go home for the night, but we were there until pretty late, and then we were back the next day, taking wow. the train over, and it was just it was a really good experience. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, that's... So, who did you... When you say we, who, who else went with you? I went with... Um, a few of our, our sisters, and also a few of the teachers that I work with at Paul the Six. So we kind of traveled together and spent those days together. It was really, really nice. And actually, yesterday, I, I happened to see you at a 
a wonderful event that just took place uh, throughout throughout the world, the Corpus Christi mm-hmm. event, but at St. Margaret's Church and then Jesus in Woodbury Heights. Yes, that we was... had a um, procession, we had Mass, and then almost an hour of Eucharistic Adoration, and then a procession yeah. through the neighborhood with the Blessed Sacrament. Had several stops where um, we had a chance to pray at out in front of people's houses. They were mostly parishioners. Mm-hmm. Um, procession was about a mile. It was beautiful. Oh, it was beautiful. And something you don't get the chance to see very often anymore is, is a procession on Corpus Christi. I, I, I think uh, that's not nearly something that's that's as ubiquitous as it used to be. So I'm really I'm always happy to when I see a parish taking part in that. That's good. I agree. I, that was my first actual, actual time. I was telling you before, um, Sister, the first time actively engaged in the Corpus Christi procession. I'd heard of it, but I'd never done it. And what I loved, Mike, is, and our, to our listeners, I loved going for a walk, and I didn't know that we'd stop at different houses, and there would be like a little makeshift altar. And Father Chris Mann, uh, a friend of the show who's been on, uh, before he, uh, he led it, and he was great. Um, he would stop and pray and, and say a few words and, and all reverence. And how many people would you say, there, there was a good amount, about 50? Uh, yeah, probably about 50. Yeah, in all ages, kids in their first communion dresses. Right. And that's a good thing. It was Father's Day, so there was a lot of other stuff going on. Yeah. Day, but, um, about 50 people took the time out to participate. Uh, so if we can um, turn back the clock a bit. Uh, with your work, how did you, you were born in Atlantic Highlands up in, in Monmouth County? Yes, I was born, um, well, I was born in Kansas. My dad was in the Air Force, so mm. an oh, Air wow. Force brat. But um, by the time I started school, we were living in New Jersey. My family, grandparents and all were from New Jersey. And uh, so I went to St. Agnes Grade School in Atlantic Highlands, graduated from Modern Day High School. And uh, then I graduated from, Glass, well, it was Glassboro State College at the time, so I'm oh. giving away my age. But, um, and then I taught school for a year and then I entered the convent. So, yeah. Actually, now that I'm thinking about it, you were at Glassboro State, what, 90? I graduated Glassboro in 1985. Okay. My, uh, well, my wife was one of the last Glassboro uh, State College graduates. She graduated in 93 and that was the year they were giving out two diplomas. You could, you could either get a Glassboro State College or you get Rowan College, um, Whereas when I got my master's a few years later, it was only Rowan University. But we still have Glassboro State College paraphernalia on our right. cars and whatnot. Right. And she she will only wear the Glassboro State College color, uh, uh, you know, alumni clothes, not the not the Rowan University. She's very dedicated to that mm-hmm. Glassboro State sure. College. I've been back to the college. Um, I attended several more times for some different courses, and uh, they still sell the Glassboro State College paraphernalia mm-hmm. in the bookstore. Yeah. So um, any of those diehards can find their gear there. Uh-huh. My, it's, it actually has a long history. My, uh, not to get on a, gloss, a, a, a Glassboro State College kick, but my grandmother went there when it was still the New Jersey Teachers Teacher College, College. Uh, oh, many, many, many years ago. And then my father was a student journalist on site and he covered the, um, oh, when the, it's the 50th anniversary is coming up this weekend. The Russian and presidential Oh, the, the Hollybush Summit. Yes, thank you very much. Could not remember the word summit for some reason. Uh, the Hollybush Summit, which is 50 years this weekend. So here, Glassboro State College and Rowan University, we're giving a lot of press here for all the the great yeah. histories in that in that school. I still and I live uh, as the listeners know. I, it's an eight minute walk from my house to to Rowan University, so I always enjoy stopping by with my son and wife. Mm-hmm. Still ride our bikes through it. 
I wonder, I wonder if, is that Glassboro State, is that paraphernalia worth something? Like, could you, I mean, is it more? I don't think so. Only to die hard, hard lovers of the Glassboro State College, like, yeah. like us. That's, I mean, it's just, I, I think I do remember when it became Rowan and thinking to myself, oh, that's interesting that college would change. Yeah, it's very change. unusual. Although it's the second time a college in this area has done it. Uh, there was a college in Pennsylvania that, that changed uh, names. I can't remember what they changed it to, actually. Is it Arcadia? Yeah, Arcadia. Beaver, Beaver, College, Beaver College became Arcadia. Arcadia. I think it's now Arcadia University, as a matter of fact. Oh. So, not that okay. uncommon. But I believe we, this is one of our best digressions. We've it, seriously digressed from the original question. We have. <laughs> um, so, you, sister, with all that, so you went to Glassboro State, and then uh, how did you uh, – one of the things we're going to talk about during this hour is discernment, and uh, you lead a women's discernment group yes. uh, monthly. And how was how was your discernment process to enter the Franciscans? Um, well, that's one of the reasons why I really tried to start this discernment group, because I was – in high school when I first started thinking about religious life. And, um, but it wasn't, I had met the sisters, I met our sisters and I was very intrigued by, you know, their, you know, their, their habit and their lifestyle and all. I had already been thinking about religious life when I met them. And, um, there was not a lot of support. Like I was pretty much feeling very alone in that. There was no discernment group around, at least not one that I knew about. And it was not an easy journey. So thinking back on that, I thought if there's something I could do to make things a little bit easier or, or offer a little bit of support for people that are in that situation, it was something that I wanted to do. So talked to Father Romano, Sister Mary McGarity, and said maybe we could start something in the diocese for young women in discernment. So this year we finished our third year mm-hmm. with this discernment group. We've had different sisters from different communities come once a month. Uh, the first Monday of the month, in fact, from like October, we begin in October, and uh, different sisters have come and spoken on different topics: discernment, the vows, living in community, uh, dealing with family. A lot of times, there's not a lot of family support, so dealing with mm-hmm. family, how to how to approach vocation within your family. Lots of different topics: mission, ministry, um, different things like that, and generally about discernment. And I think it's great they have. This group has some support, um, support of the sisters. They get to know different sisters. They have my support. They support one another. It's really become kind of a little community. And in fact, last year, the second year we had the program, at the end of the year, one of the young women, um, Lauren Adderley, had decided to enter a community. She had known the sisters prior when she was in college. But um, so I think that was pretty helpful for her mm-hmm. in her discernment. So. I know I'm friends with Lauren, and uh, I, I haven't caught up with her ever since she went to uh, North Dakota. Yes. Right? She, well, she was then in Seattle, I believe, for her postulancy. She went to Seattle. Yeah. Um, she's doing well. We've gotten a few letters from her, and she was oh, she was here over um, for some time. I think it was around Christmas time that she was here. So we did get to see her and, you know, catch up a little bit. Well, that's great. And I've had a few other friends I know who told me that they've been going to the discernment group too a few times. Uh, and how old uh, how old are the young women? Is, is it for a certain? Um, we set a we set an age of about eighteen to thirty five. But we've had one girl still in high school. She's seventeen, wow. and she came. And then we've had a couple of women who were beyond the age of thirty five. But you know, the doors open. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. And 
we've, we, you're the first to actually, uh, uh, this is a monumental podcast, uh, because you're the first religious sister we've had on the show. You're numero uno. So it's a Congratulations. And, uh, Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> and we had uh, Father Romano come on and talk about vocations to the priesthood. And, and with what you're doing, uh, how, just take us through the discernment. What, what exactly happens in one of these monthly meetings? And they're held in Cherry Hill, right? Yes. The meetings are held at the Barbara Micarelli Center of Hospitality. It's behind the House of the Franciscan Sisters on Crescent Road. Okay. Um, usually how a meeting goes, I have different sisters come each one of the months, and she presents a topic. But when we get, when everybody gets there, just kind of have a little bit of spiritual sharing, um, maybe a reading, a scripture reading, and a song, some questions to kind of share about. And then whoever the speaker is does their presentation, and it's very much like a dialogue. It's not really so much somebody speaks and everybody listens, but... These women have a lot of questions, and it's very interactive. So we'll have a conference, short little discussion, and then we take a little bit of a break to get a snack or something to drink, whatever, and then we end in the chapel with Compline. So the meetings run from 7 to 9, first Monday of the month. Okay. And are they, are they, not, they're not, are they going on during the summer? or? No, sure? we'll pick up again in October. Okay. So for the summer, we're free. <laughs> and is there what are you finding what's the uh is there a um do you do you find talking to these young women is there a particularly one main obstacle that you found that prevents them i mean the culture is a lot of times one of the obstacles is um like we have a lot of stuff and you know a lot of options today like especially for women years back maybe there weren't a lot of opportunities to serve in the church and today there's lots of opportunities if it's in religious education, if it's in teaching, if it's in, you know, serving parishes in any number of ways, there's a lot more opportunity. Um, commitment in general these days is difficult for people. Like the idea, I get a lot of people that ask us, you know, well, do you have a, a long-term mission experience that we could do? Like they'd rather do that for a year or two than try to make a commitment for a lifetime. Yeah. Um, one of the obstacles sometimes is lack of family support that you know family like even my mom in the beginning you know she was all about you know are you sure this is a good idea i was her only daughter so mm -hmm. you know grandchildren and the whole mm -hmm. you know you're going to be you know suffering and not happy or whatever like that mm. um once i you know once i entered and she saw that i was happy in my life then she's ever since been very very happy and very very supportive and you know a little proud of her daughter or whatever so, <laughs> yeah. I think that's uh, with the experience we talked to with Father Mono and Stephen Robbins. Family is uh, it's it can be sometimes, you know. And so you grew up and you grew up in a Catholic household. I did. Our, my family was Catholic, um, not overly super uber Catholic practicing, but you know we went to mass on Sundays, grace before meals. Um, I was a CCD student mm. until I grad. I, went to public school till sixth grade. So all of my first communion and confirmation, I was prepared through religious education programs. So, um, but other than that, you know, not much more practicing than that. Yeah. It's kind of like the bare minimum. But. Yeah. <laughs> Did you find that as you were growing up and, you know, 
when that when that time came when you started to have these thoughts in your mind that maybe this was a route to go, did you find yourself resisting it or did you throw yourself into it? Um, well, here's the thing, I was I was a little I was a lot resistant I have to say, but when I was first discerning, like I guess I was a sophomore in high school, and that's about the time when you're trying to figure figure things out and figure life out and where am I going to go to find my values and and you know am I going to do what's right because I know it's right or because my parents said that it was right. Like I was just looking to kind of find a place to stand on my own. So in thinking about all of that, I thought, well, where am I going to get my values? If I'm a Christian person, then where I should be finding those values is in Jesus. Right. So started to, you know, think about that a little bit. I started to want to go to mass. That was really weird. Like before then it was like, go to mass because it's Sunday. Then all of a sudden I'm like, I really want to go to mass. Started to appreciate the blessed sacrament. Um, I was a sophomore and then like this idea, I said, well, if I want to live a life like Jesus lived, what does that look like today? Well, Jesus lived a poor life. So we see in the scripture, nowhere to lay his head, born in a, born in a manger, born in a stable, laid in a manger. Um, Jesus lived a chaste life as far as we know. There's no place that says he was, you know, raising a family or anything like that. And then... Finally, anytime he wanted to do something really important, he would go off to pray to do whatever God's will was. So in my reflection, I thought, poverty, chastity, obedience. Sounds like a religious life. Um, so that was like my first thought about it. But then the reality came in like, I don't know, if maybe that's what God wants, but I'm not really sure that's what I want. Because I had lots of other things I wanted to do with my life. But um, it was kind of on the back burner for a pretty long time. I had already had a plan in my mind to go to college, and so I did. And uh, I have no regret about that. College was a beautiful experience. But all that time of finishing high school and going to college, this idea about religious life was in the back of my head, and it was like it wasn't letting go. And it was still there and still there and still there. So finally, when I was a junior in college, I spoke with one of the sisters, one of our sisters that I knew from Highlands, from Atlantic Highlands, and I also spoke with Monsignor Tracy, who at the time was oh, okay. at St. Bridget's in Glassboro. And they were both very supportive of, you know, my vocation. And so that was really the first that it kind of came out that, you know, this is something I'm thinking of, or discerning about. And then the sister that I spoke with put me in touch with our vocation director. And so I went on some, you know, discernment retreats and spent some time with the sisters. So it was pretty much felt like I was heading in the right direction. But I had college to finish, and I had a student loan. So I finished my college, I taught school for a year, I paid off my student loan, and then entered the following year. So, and you entered, how how did it work, the first around, did you enter the province, or? I entered our delegation here, my formation was here, and by the way, my parents were not very supportive Mm. in the beginning. Mm. Um, They just did not think that this was a good idea, but they did not try to stop me. Um, so you really need, that's something that takes a lot of courage, like to say, no, this is what I think I need to do. And, um, I know you don't understand. They don't have that vocation. So it's a little bit hard for them to understand, but, um, yes, I just took the courage and, and did it. And did you always know it was going to be this religious order versus another or? You know, I kind of did. I didn't have my sisters when I was in. Um, seventh and eighth grade, grade school or high school. It was a Franciscan community, but not our sisters. And the first time I met our sisters, I was a junior in high school. 
And a friend of mine, she knew I was involved in pro-life. And so she said, well, some sisters from our parish are bringing some of the young people. They had like a youth group and they're going to bring them out to Planned Parenthood to pray the rosary out in front of Planned Parenthood to end abortion. That was December 8th. Mm-hmm. And she said, oh, I know, you know, I, I know that you're into pro-life. So I thought maybe you might like to come. And I was like, OK, great. So I made this plan to go and got to her house. She picked me up and we, she was right down the street from the convent. So pulled into the parking lot. And as I'm walking up the sidewalk, this sister came to the door. Now, the sisters that taught me in school, like they didn't they didn't wear a habit. They maybe wore like a brown skirt and a blouse or whatever. But this sister came to the door. She had like a full habit on. And when I saw her, I hadn't even met them. But this I this thought went through my head that said, I don't know if I'm really going to do this, but if I do, it's going to be there because anything less than that is less than a total gift of myself. Hmm. That was like from the spirit or something because it wasn't something I came up with on my own, that's for sure. But um, I think as soon as I saw them, I pretty much had an idea that that was going to be it. And yeah. it was that thought that <laughs> went into my head. So, And with uh, one of your, are they with TJ and Paul the Six, how long have you been? I have been there. I just finished my eighth year there. Um, that school actually is staffed by the religious teachers Filipini. So I always kind of laugh and I say, well, I was a stranger and they welcomed me because they have been there for many years. So. <laughs> and I'm very happy to be there. Is that kind of one of, I know different orders have like a teaching order. Is, is that your, what you're on? Our, our order isn't specifically a teaching order. We have sisters that do many different things, pastoral ministry, youth ministry. We have houses in Italy that are like um, houses for pilgrimage. In South America, we have sisters doing a lot of the similar kinds of things, um, some schools. Here in the States, we pretty much ended up in education because when the sisters came here, um, it was Archbishop Damiano that called them here, and it was to start St. Margaret's School. So once we got here and we had opened up a school, then it was like, oh, we have another school. Could you take another school? So we kind of got into education here. Mm -hmm. Um, I studied special education. And... I wasn't even sure I was going to be doing that when I first entered because that wasn't any of the programming we had in our schools. But in the end, I ended up at um, St. John of God Community Services teaching there for a good number of years. Mm. That was also a gift and a blessing. Yeah, that's a beautiful uh, place. Mm -hmm. I mean, just, it's amazing. And that was after you you were uh, ordained? Is that the question? After I professed. Professed. Yes. And, wow. And... But the other, um, can we move on to the next part? Well, with this discernment group, you are actually starting another uh, initiative with with youth ministry. Uh, Yes. Was it Samuel Project? This program is called the Samuel Group. Um, It was actually started in Italy by Cardinal Martini some years back. He had done this in his diocese for youth and young adults. Well, young adults, really. It is a discernment program for guys and girls together, but really tries to give young people the tools that they need to discern what it is that God is calling them to. Um, so, and it runs six, there are six sessions, they're once a month, and it's very, it's very much a laid out program. Um, there's a talk, there's time for Eucharistic adoration and confession. Whoever comes, they need to commit to spiritual direction. So they see a spiritual director monthly. And... It's a program that you would do once. It's not like a program you could come back to again. Like mm-hmm. you finish the program and mm-hmm. you really don't attend it again after that. So 
it'll be guys and girls together. Um, we'll be meeting at uh, St. Thomas More Parish, mostly the second Sunday of the month, beginning in September, but September will be the third Sunday, and I think that's September 17th. And then the other months, October, November, will be the second Sunday, skip December, and then January, February, March, the second Sunday of the month. Mm -hmm. And St. Thomas More and Cherry Hill. Yes. And who will be, how did this kind of, what was the impetus to starting this in this diocese? Well, I had gone to a workshop at the CMSWR, and it was for vocation directors and formators. And I went to a presentation on this program that was actually given by, um, they are the Apostles of the Interior Life. They had given a workshop on this program. They came here from Italy, and they discovered this program. They knew of it in Italy. So when they came here, they're mostly at university campuses. So they wrote over there to whoever's responsible for the program, said, do you think that we could adapt it to use in the universities? They were like, sure. So they kind of have been adapting that to use in their, in their colleges. Now, one of the sisters, the CFR sisters, was at one of the universities, and she learned of this program, and she just thought it was a great idea. So then she said, well, maybe we could do it in the Archdiocese of New York. Do you think we could adapt it for a diocese? And they said, well, in fact, it started out as a diocesan program, so I don't see why not. <laughs> so they started the program up there, and they had um, a lot of young people that came to it. And the sister that was you know, sharing her experience said, I was a little nervous that people wouldn't want to commit to having to come to each one of the meetings, having a spiritual director. She said, I really was thinking maybe it's too much. She said, instead, people were saying, this is exactly what we've been looking for. Mm -hmm. So after going to the workshop, I thought, hmm, I wonder if we could start in Camden. So got in touch with Greg Coogan, Father Romano. I have a couple of other sisters on a committee that are you know, going to be kind of leading things and, and guiding things. So we're hoping that it's going to take off and uh, be something that's helpful for our young people in our diocese. That's really wonderful. Yeah, I, love, I love hearing that. You know, as, as someone who's been in the education system for a while, I always wonder this, you know, having gone through your own discernment process. As you see students coming in and out of your classrooms, do you get a feel for who might you want to, might, might want to encourage down that path? You know, you do get a feel for that. You get a feel for that just like, and I teach religion, so it's a little bit maybe, I can't say a little bit easier, but we're, we're speaking about, you know, scripture and, and church tradition and then, so you get a sense of the kids, and, and you do find kids that seem a little bit more open mm -hmm. to spiritual things, have a little bit of a different type of question, you know, different questions, and um, yeah, you can kind of get a sense mm -hmm. of kids that may have a vocation. Now, mm -hmm. the hope is that they'll answer in a positive <laughs> way. So, you know, and we try to support, you know, support the students at school and, you know, encourage them and, you know, give the best, you know, witness yeah. to religious life best that we can priesthood also so. I only have anecdotal evidence of this but Paul VI does seem to do a fantastic job of encouraging folks to to answering that call to vocation I mean yeah. from Bishop Cecchio on down to our seminarians and all the religious in between um, that school really does a, a good job of encouraging I find I think it probably helps it to have you know good people uh, you know staffing the faculty mm -hmm. that uh, that really know how to how to reach reach folks who are really considering it. 
And I think, too, one thing that Paul the Six has that a lot of the schools don't have, we have religious there. Yeah. I mean, all the schools now have a director of Catholic identity who is a priest. So there are priests in all the schools, but they don't all have religious. And Paul the Six have had religious sisters there from the beginning. Yeah. So, so you're, you're covering, trying to cover all bases with that, so to speak. Um, <laughs> you know, the bases are being covered. We're doing the best <laughs> we can. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I think, and without, so how are you promoting the same old group? Um, I, you know, one of the best things, I think one of the most intelligent things I did over that was like touch base with Greg Coogan because he is really, really dynamic and he's just been, you know, well, we can set things up on, on the internet and he's got a lot of connections yeah. with the different youth groups and youth ministry people. And, you know, he was saying, well, maybe we could open it up even to some folks like Trenton Diocese is really only in, you know, what is it, Marlton, mm -hmm. yeah. which is right next so to Cherry close. Hill. So yeah. he was like, well, what do you, what do you think about that? And I thought... Sure, we're one church, you know. Yeah. So, um, you know, he's very, very good about getting the word out. So he's pretty much been in charge of that. And yeah. Done a great job. Yeah, he's a good one. That's exciting to have that, especially with uh, next year with the Senate on you. Yes. And, and I'm sure I haven't talked to Greg about how the survey and the questionnaires. And that did come out um, about the surveys. And okay. as I was, I had approached Greg at the Irish Revocations. And I said, I have a program you might be interested in. Mm -hmm. So we were kind of talking about it. And he said, you know, just looking over the um, the surveys that came in from the young people, he said, this is exactly what these young people are looking for. So he was on board right away, yeah. you know, and trying to get this rolling. And uh, we've had a few meetings and, you know, we have pretty much we had the first gathering set up and uh, different people speaking and sharing stories and things. So. That's all. That's all wonderful, and and this will be, and then you'll continue the women's discernment. Yes. Now, what I would, what I would envision is, let's say people are going through this Samuel group. If in the end, and Samuel group is discernment for what is it that God's calling me to? It could be marriage. It could be single life. It could be religious life. It could be priesthood. So this is kind of given the basics, of you know where might God be calling me to. My, my. I'm envisioning that maybe from this Samuel group, maybe some of the people may filter into the women's discernment group or even Father Romano's priestly discernment group, mm -hmm. that maybe the Samuel group would be a first step. And then once they have a little bit of clarity about, mm, this this feels like it might be it for me, okay. then maybe they can filter into these other groups. And that's an important distinction that you made with, the, for some reason with, with me and among some other friends, the word discernment when I say, you know, discernment or dis I'm discerning or somebody's discerning, it sounds a lot like the spiritual, the connotation. Do you find that, too, when you hear discernment? Like, I, people think it's just spiritual. Or it's just like about priesthood or religious mm -hmm. life. Or yeah. I mean, um, it does kind of have that connotation, but that's not necessarily the fact. I mean, people going into yeah. marriage, they need to discern that. Yeah. yeah. You know, is this the relationship that God is calling me into and is this... The relationship God is calling me into forever, you know. Yeah. Like again, that commitment um, requires prayer and discernment. Yeah. So. so I was just reading a book about this woman, this young woman who, the same thing, the sermon, you know, list, trying to listen to God, adoration, prayer, daily mass. That's kind of all, um, at least from my kind of the stuff that can just trying to listen to God. And I think added into that list, I would include 
spiritual direction. Mm-hmm. Just somebody else to kind of bounce ideas off of. And, you know, the spiritual director is not there to tell you what to do. The spiritual director is there to kind of help you sift through things. So maybe asking questions, um, maybe giving you some readings or things to reflect about and share with. So really what they're trying to do, I think, is kind of pull out of you what's already in there. Yeah. You know, kind of bring it out to light. So I think that kind of support is really important. You know, Pete, that's something we talked about with Father Romano as well. You know, the the key to the discerning process, regardless of how you're utilizing it, is to cut through all the clutter in our daily lives. And this this really sounds like a great way of of doing that. And certainly within our faith, there are many ways of, of doing it. But sometimes you really do need that very focused, almost presentation, conversation, uh, uh, community to be able to to really reflect on what we should be doing and what we where we should be going. I just know on a personal level, uh, I've had a spiritual director for a number of years. I've been blessed to, and it keeps he keeps me accountable um, mm-hmm. in certain ways. You know, like <laughs> if I know I'm going to see him on like this Thursday or whatever, I'm going to be like, okay, I got to think about this. You know, what did we talk about the last meeting? You know, I'm going to have to tell them about this or, you know, how am I working on with these relationships in my life or how am I, you know, did I go to mass every day? Like I said, I would kind of. So I think um, it is accountability. I think definitely for me helps um, because I I don't want to disappoint because I know I'll hear it. (laughs) Um, He's good, though. He's wonderful. So this, what were the ages with this? The Samuel group is ages 18 to 35. The recommendation from um, that I'm reading about the program is that it pretty much to stick to that. Mm-hmm. You know, like in the other discernment groups, at least I've been a little bit more kind of flexible. Yeah. Because um, God calls people at different ages. But this program is set really for young adults. And um, actually, they said 18 to 30, but... Well, they said 19 to 30, but we kind of extend a little 18 to 35. And uh, Do you find, you know, in your travels over the years, do you find that there are that those mid-30s are a time when you'll find people questioning sort of where they are, like almost a, an early midlife crisis where they'll wonder, are they on I the right know, path? I don't know so much if it's maybe an early midlife crisis, but I think that um, people today are making decisions for their lives at a much later age. Mm-hmm. Like when my mom was in school, so many would, you know, graduate high school and get married, you know, or graduate high school and enter the convent. Or that's just not the case today. So in general, I think usually when we have people, sometimes people write to us, um, you know, young women calling or writing and inquiring about information. They're usually some in their 20s, mm-hmm. but a lot of times, you know, in their 30s and, you know, even early 40s. Really? But I think that's just society in general, even people are getting married at a, at a later age. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm 35, uh, full disclosure, everybody. And I'm still a millennial, Mike. Barely. You <laughs> barely. are barely a millennial. <laughs> but I mean, it's like, yeah, I mean, I'm still trying to figure out. Right. Sometimes like I heard, you know, there's a, uh, I wake up and I hear, you know, this guy, 20 year old started Twitter and I'm like, man, I just made a decision. Did I want pop tarts or did I want <laughs> Captain Crunch today? Like, but I'm, I think, you know, the spiritual direction is definitely uh, giving me that, you know, this stuff that every month to just be, and it's been very helpful. I would recommend it. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm glad that this okay, is something. And, and I would say at 35, 
you need to sign up for the Samu group. <laughs> oh, okay. well then, yeah. do you have the sign-up sheet right there? Uh, I, see. I don't have a sign-up sheet right here, but we'll make sure that we get you. Pete, that. I, think you, I think you may have an open invitation, Pete. Yes. Oh, thank to, you. To, to join. Oh, well, thank you. The, um, so with, uh, do you, with school, do you have plans for this summer, sister? Or? Do I have plans for this summer? I have plans for this summer. This summer will be so busy that I can't believe it. But um, this coming week, well, we're leaving the 25th till the 30th. Myself and another sister are taking a group of teenagers to a service program. Mm. That's It's a Franciscan service program in uh, Garrison, New York. So sponsored by the Capuchins. Okay. So we're trying to get a lot of kids doing their service through the summer. So we have a good number of kids that sign up for summer in the city. And um, so we're going to extend a little bit and kind of check that program out too so that'll be for a week and then i'm going to take a course in chicago for a week go on retreat visit my mom and then in august i'll be spending most of it in italy so we have sisters over there um august 2nd is a big feast day for the franciscans it's called the pardon of assisi and it's a pilgrimage day for young people in italy like they come from all over italy um, walking mm-hmm. to Assisi to the Church of St. Mary the Angels because St. Francis had asked for a special indulgence on that date that, um, you know, people, a regular indulgence, people could be forgiven of all, all of their sins and punishment and all of that. He asked for that because in his lifetime, it was really hard for people to get to the Holy Land. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of people didn't have the money to get to the Holy Land. They weren't able to get there. And that was where you went for these indulgences. So he went and requested of the Holy Father, um, we need an indulgence here because there are too many people that can't get over there. People that people that were poor, people that didn't have the, the opportunity. Mm-hmm. So he asked about this indulgence and it was granted. So mm-hmm. that's August 2nd. So there's lots and lots of young people. And we have a house, several houses there. But we have one house in particular, they call it... A, Casa di Accoglienza, which is a house for young youth groups and young adult groups to go and stay. Um, so there'll be groups staying there and celebrating this feast, which goes on really August 2nd and then the week after. Mm-hmm. So they have meetings and gatherings and music and all kinds of things going on there. So I'll be there for that. And then there's a course, a catech- like a catechesis course for young adults the week after. And then there's one on vocation after that. So... And they're both with the Friars, the Friars Minor. So be over there kind of assisting and helping out and doing, I'm not really sure what, but I'm sure I'll find out when I get there. So, <laughs> so it doesn't sound like a lot of relaxing will be going on this summer. No, but, not really. Not but it does really. sound like, a, okay. it sound like yeah. a great summer, though. You'll be fully invested. Yes. When I get back, I'll need a vacation from my vacation. <laughs> that is for sure. Well, hopefully we can have you back on soon sure. and we can ask you how the Vacation oh, yeah. from the vacation. <laughs> right? I don't know if I'm going to get that vacation from my yeah. vacation because school will be starting. Oh, it's true. But, um, That's very true. Anyway, school's okay. good. So. Well, we're um, just starting to wrap up, and we always wrap up with uh, three questions. I have no idea what these questions will be about. I, I, I haven't seen anyone stumped by them yet, though, so hopefully okay. Pete will not throw you too far for a loop. All right. No. Be merciful. Okay. <laughs> well, no, we just finished the year of mercy. I think that. You know, you're right, because I say that to the kids, they'd be like, I don't know, I didn't do this. Can I handle it? Like, you know, the year of mercy's over. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a familiar religion teacher yeah. right there. Okay, there you go. <laughs> that 
that on the vocation day, there was a sister who was there speaking to the kids. And one of the kids said, oh, you know, I have this this assignment that was due like, you know, four months ago. Can I still hand it in? She looks at me. She goes, well, you know, the year of mercy is over. And I was like, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> but, um, so, uh, Sister Diana, do you have a uh, favorite saint? Do I have a favorite saint? St. Francis. St. Francis of Assisi. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, that was a freebie. Um, <laughs> um, do you have a, uh, I know you have a busy summer. Um, I always am interested in, in books that, like, is there a summer reading? Or do you have a favorite book that you? A favorite book? Um, well, let me say this. When I was in college, a favorite book of mine was Jane Eyre. Mm. Um Really enjoyed it. Had to actually had to read it for a course, um, women in literature or something, and uh, that was like my favorite book of the course. And I read it about eight hundred fifty million times since. Then. So, <laughs> uh, okay, that's, that's, that's I'm, good. I'm, it's on my list. I've not read that yet. It was good. I read it in high school, and I, I remember thinking, "Wow, I really like this." But I can't say that I've read it back since. I'll, I'll have to go back to it again. Yeah, no, I read it a few times. Who wrote that, Bronte? Yes, Bronte. that was Charlotte Bronte. Charlotte Bronte. Yes. Okay, I know my. That kind of, I was an English major, so I, okay. like, okay, back of my head. And yet somehow you didn't read that. No, I didn't. That's I, weird. But I know, How did that happen? Yeah, that's, I just, I don't know. Strange oversight there. Yeah, one of these, I need to get myself a copy. Um, and sister, last question. Uh, one of the things we tried doing this uh, podcast, and I, um, we want to, you know, we want to, individuals to share their stories and also what they're doing about, but why? Why is it, you know, why did they choose the faith? Um, Catholic faith. So if there's, if you could give any advice um, on someone, you know what, somebody on the journey, um, the listeners, uh, what just, is there a piece of advice that you share for anybody right now, Catholic or non-Catholic, just on this journey? Um, I would say this. One thing that I, I share with the people that come to the discernment group and all, and with my students at school is be open, like, be open to the idea. Like if this idea of either vocation or whatever it is, is, is coming into your mind, into your heart, be open to it. And um, the other thing is it takes a lot of courage and a lot of perseverance. So, you know, and I tell them, and it's true, I pray for them that God would give them the courage to take a step and that gift of perseverance to stick it out. So I don't know if that answers your question. But. I think you just persevere and, and be open to whatever God, you know, whatever Mm -hmm. I think that that sentiment of perseverance, I I think that you don't see that as much or hear about it as much in this day and age, but I think it's so valuable, you know, to be able to get through things, you know, particularly during those down times or those uncertain times. And it's true because I think that ties into the whole idea of um, this fear people have of commitment. Mm -hmm. Like you need that gift of perseverance because Life isn't always beautiful every single day. That's just the way life is in any life. I mean, yeah. you're going to hit mm-hmm. difficulties or, or moments that are, you know, not easy or whatever. But we need that gift of perseverance to yeah. to stick it out. Yeah. And um, I think that's a big need today. I'm just listening to something today about John Paul II, Saint John Paul II, uh, in talking about perseverance. I mean, he lived through, you know, the, with World War II and mm-hmm. all the stuff that happened to him. His big thing was be not afraid. Right. And that was what he and just that idea of perseverance. And I do agree with Mike in some ways, it is a bit lost, but we need to remember just persevere and, and keep going day yeah. by day. Yeah. 
And be open, as Sister said. That's right. Sister, thank you very much for joining us today. Pleasure, my pleasure. We appreciate thank you, you for having me. And you'll you'll be invited on uh, soon enough, I assure you. So I hope you enjoyed this trip because we're I'll making be you ready. come back. I'll be ready as long as I can get out that door there. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, uh-huh. folks. We are recording in the vault again. It's, yes. Uh, um, Mike, Sister Diana, thank you so much. Thank you. All righty, thank you. Enjoy the day. We've thank been you. talking Kevin.